chapter 2. I'm going to start reading at verse number 1. And as you're turning there uh, and uh, coming to your place, if you'd stand with us for the reading of God's Word. While you're coming to your place, uh, just a reminder as well, uh, we have... Uh, we are finishing off the collection of corn and green beans for our blessing boxes that we're distributing in November, uh, distributing 500 boxes this year, and uh, we are looking to cap that off and finish that up. And also, uh, we've had some more of the HEB gift cards that have been turned in, and uh, what we are, what our challenge is, our goal is we uh, give a ten dollar. H-E-B gift card to uh, each family or it goes in every box that comes through. So 500 of those. And uh, if just for the fact of quick math, uh, you don't got to break out your calculator or use your fingers or toes. But by the time all of those donations come in by November, that's $5,000 just in gift cards that is going to be going out. I want to let you know of something that the Lord did here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we, I had a, our quarterly meeting with our CPA, the church's CPA, uh, here in Beaumont. And uh, we normally start our meetings, Mr. Cliff asking how things are going with the church and just, you know, what are, what, what's going on, what projects are taking place, all of those things. I was telling him that we were upping our goal for our blessing box. I was telling him what we do with the blessing boxes and what we give out. And he said, Pastor, he said, uh, we're going to meet you halfway on those gift cards. He said, we're going to cut a check for $2,500. And so we thank God for that. And uh, I know the Lord will bless Cliff and the uh, Cabot, uh, Turner, Weibel, uh, CPA uh, firm. And they have been a blessing to Victory Temple. And uh, they have been very generous to us uh, on more than one occasion. And uh, we just uh, we thank God for this. So uh, we want to do our part. We want to meet our goal there. And, uh, and so it's uh, halfway of an effort as far as just meeting that. And then he's going to match that. And so anyway, thank you. For all that's been done, all that's been given, contributed thus far with the blessing boxes. I've had a few people ask what was left on corn and green beans. I'm going to give you those totals today before we leave the fellowship. So that way you know I think uh, there are some folks that the Lord's just put it on their heart. They want to just do their best to finish it off. And so thank you for that as well. We appreciate that. And uh, your generosity makes these things possible. So anyway, I just want to share that with you. John chapter 2, starting at verse number 1. If you're there with me, would you say amen? amen? And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when, and when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. 
And there were, and there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews. Uh, what this simply means is these were containers used, these were washing containers used for ceremonial washing. Six of them that were there. And it says, containing two or three firkins apiece. And Jesus saith unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. In other words, the, 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 the worst wine was served after all the good was distributed. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles, somebody say miracles. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Now, contrary to those of different opinions... This is not a passage that validates or verifies or even admonishes drinking. I'm going to just set the record straight. If you've got questions about drinking, what's social, what's, uh, what should be approved, what should not be, just come counsel with pastor and I can point you to scripture that admonishes the fact of not to be drunk with wine, but to be what? Filled with the spirit. Amen. And so, we're, but, but I'm just going to start from the get-go here. This, this preaching on this is, not, uh, this is not up for debate in regards to those things. As some like to look at this and say, well, it's completely legitimate because this is what Jesus did. Uh, but we're going to look at some of the specifics of some things that happened in this. The Lord has been rolling over in my heart this thought and... I began to remember, he reminded me of this passage here that we read at the end, that this was the beginning of miracles, this that happened right here at Cana of Galilee. And so if we can, for just a few moments, I know your bellies are rumbling and you've got fish on the brain, but we're, but we're going to preach for a little bit. This is a pastor's dream. we got food on the ground. We're going to lock the doors and preach. You ain't, you ain't beating a Baptist to, to your favorite steakhouse. You're not, you know, you're not in competition with the church down the road. Well, they get all the good spots first. No, you ain't, we ain't worried about that. We got a place at the table for you across the way. Amen. But I just want to preach for a few moments on the materials for a miracle. Amen. The materials for a miracle. Can we just pray together this morning? Ask the Lord to help us. Father... I thank you once again today for your faithfulness. And I thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your power, your might. And, Lord, we come to you today believing for you to speak to our hearts. 
Lord, I'm trusting your word today that you would challenge us. And I pray somebody is going to not only be challenged, but encouraged and strengthened. Lord, today as we look and know that you are a God that works and moves on our behalf. And maybe even so today in this house, I do believe somebody who is staring at some things and they're in need of the miraculous. They're in need of your hand at work. And Lord, I pray that your word, Lord, let it be clear in our hearts and let our minds and Ears be open to receive it. My mind and lips to preach to bring you glory. Hide me, I pray, behind the cross. Lord, we want you to be seen and you to be heard. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. Praise the Lord. There are some things that are, to me, that are very interesting in regards to this particular place of Scripture. And it's not so much as to what miracle had transpired. We'll talk about some of the specifics in regard to this miracle. But, but it's a matter of, uh, to me, uh, it's a matter of some of the things that are, uh, if you will, the particulars. If you will, the, uh, the intricate parts that we uh, sometimes, if we're not careful, when we read through Scripture, especially... When we are seeing the hand of God at work and different things that are transpiring and how he's working and moving, if we're not careful, we can overlook some of what I call the intricate details. Now, maybe it's just me personally, but the way that my mind works, I oftentimes, Brother Marvin, when I'm reading Scripture, I, I take a look at who, what, when, where. I, I, I sometimes am looking at the characters that are involved. Brother Jeremy, sometimes, it's places that intrigue me. Sometimes I want to dig a little bit further. And what does this mean? And, and, uh, and in this particular passage, I'm, uh, I'm asking myself and I found myself uh, uh, thinking upon uh, some of the things in regards uh, of these specifics that we see in here as to the place and as to the people and some of the things that were said and done. And why was it that this right here this particular wedding, these particular people, this particular situation was the, the starting point, the, the place, amen, ground zero, if you will, when the miraculous ministry of Christ began. As the Word of God tells us there in verse number 11, that at this particular time, in this particular place, that this began, this was the beginning of miracles that did Jesus, or that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. And in result of this, we find, uh, Brother Jerry, that it was for the fact that it manifested his glory. And we also find that in the manifestation of his glory, it provided further faith and his disciples to believe on him. And so we're going to look at some of these things. I want you to understand is that when we are looking at peculiar situations that surround us, I know today that I am not uh, uh, speaking out of turn when we see that in this church building this morning and all the families that are gathered here that there are things, there are specific things there are burdens, there are 
are uh, questions. There are certain things that maybe right now you don't quite understand. There are some things that are going on in lives and in hearts and in families, in situations surrounding you that today, uh, that, that, that today you are still, if you will, trying to catch your breath. And what I mean by that, trying to catch your breath because of events that has happened even in the last couple of days. We know how life is. And what I mean by that is, is that life changes in an instant. It turns on a dime. It can be a phone call. It can be a doctor's report. It can be a situation going on in your emotions. It can be happening with your child, your grandchildren. It could be your spouse. It could be your job. It could be your money. It could be situations that people that you love so very much and that you're tied to and you see hurting and suffering and pain, disillusionment, discouragement, the list goes on and on. I say all of that to say this, is I believe with all of my heart that from the pulpit to the back pew of this church, from side to side in this building, there are faces that I'm looking at and even though you may not say it out loud, maybe right now you can't publicly testify about it. Maybe right now you're trying to process it. Maybe right now it hurts too much to talk about it. But you would say, Brother Jacob, there are some things in my life that have been upended. There are some things going on. I need a miracle. There are some things that are happening that if I were to just be real candid with everybody, that I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. That maybe even right now it's quite painful. That maybe right now I came into service this morning and if I'm being honest, yes I've been raising my hands. Yes I gave in the offering. Yes I have a smile on my face but there are some situations that are happening right now that have shaken me to my core. Can I tell you first of all, I want to let somebody know today not because of the address of this building, not because of our pews or the color of our carpet and not because of the legacy and history of this church not because of who's holding the microphone right now but I can tell you that maybe it was a fish fry that got you here, maybe it was desserts that got you here but nonetheless I'm glad you're here because in the meantime when you came in and not knowing what's going on, I say all these things to say you are in the right place for the God of heaven to expose his power in your life and show you that he can work on your behalf that he loves you enough to orchestrate this day this moment for his word to be lodged in your heart, for you to come to the realization of some things, for you to be stirred in your faith, for somebody to grab a hold again of the fact that God has not abandoned or forsaken, that God hasn't written you off, or that God doesn't care about you. I don't know the intricacies of your life. I don't know what's going on. And some would say, well, Brother Jacob, you're just preaching in generality. 
Pharisees. You're preaching to get an easy amen. You could take a crowd of five people and say something like this, and all five of those could identify. You're probably right. But I'm not saying these things to generate or garner a response from you. But here's what I do know. I got up this morning, and when I began to get myself ready, God began to challenge my heart and said, Jacob, you may not know it. You may not be aware. And I'm even going to step out on the limb and say this. There's some of you, the news hasn't gotten to you yet. The trial hasn't found you yet. But you need to know that there are materials around your life in the broken heaps and masses, in your tears and in your prayers, in your confusion and questions. I'm here to tell you there is material for the miraculous to take place and that God wants to do something in such a real way in your life. If we can believe the lie that God is disassociated, disconnected, and does not care, the enemy has won another battle. I want you to understand that. If we believe the lie that, that God doesn't care, is disconnected, disassociated, that there's other things, bigger things, other situations for him to deal with, and he doesn't have time for me, then I'm telling you, we are uh, giving place to the devil. Amen. There was three. You, don't, you see, that sounds a little offensive, doesn't it? That sounds a little offensive. What do you mean? I thought giving place to the devil meant that I had opened myself, exposed myself to some kind of horrific sin, some kind of immorality, some kind of terrible thing. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When we look around and we begin to doubt what God can do, when we begin to not believe His Word, when we, can, when we will listen more closely to the voice of the enemy than we will the voice of God, I'm telling you, friend, you are given yourself place to the devil I just came to declare to somebody this morning is that there are some things going on that's a little bit delayed there are some things going on that don't quite make sense there are some things where it seems like the brakes have been tapped there are some things where it seems it's been halted but I want to tell somebody I feel in my spirit this morning the Holy Ghost wants somebody to know you are in the right situation and God is not looking off somewhere he hasn't forgotten he hasn't abandoned but he says I'm working this out I just need you to recognize that the materials around you are right for a miracle Cana of Galilee I want to first talk to you a little bit about obscurity because you see what happens is is one of hell's greatest lies is for you to believe that you're so far off the beaten path, that you are so obscure, that you are not thought about. You're not even a distant second. You're not even on the back burner is what hell would want you to think. And the fact that, you, you know, just I know you've got this need and I know you've been praying this way and I know you've got this thing because I will tell you, as I look across, I can name some specifics. I know Brother Scott recently with his procedure and, and 
words such as cancer are used and, and, we've, and we've got different ones that have been up against some different things that's been going on and it can be disheartening and sometimes it can feel like or think one of the first things that happens when we are in a vulnerable moment is the enemy loves to tell somebody that you're so far off the radar God doesn't even care hear me is there anybody besides the pastors ever been in a place where I have been convinced and you have been convinced he's got time for someone else he sees their need he sees their situation and he probably loves them more so he's going to work for them first anybody ever thought did you know is that is that God is not in the business of trying to accommodate and prioritize and saying, well, Jen's need is bigger than Coco's need and Coco's need's bigger than Aaron, so I'm going to go one, two, three. Listen, that defines the constraints of humanity. That defines, listen, if I'm in the house, and just let me paraphrase this for a little bit. If I'm at the house and Sister Carolyn comes to me with a need and then Ashlyn comes in the room and she's got a need, in my humanity, I can't serve both needs at the same time. I can't meet both needs at the same time. So I have to stop and choose. I have to prioritize. I have to say, I'm going to, this is, I think, is more important than the other. So I'm going to do this first, and then I'll do this. And in our humanity, because that's how we work, Sister Anna, because we are limited, we oftentimes get the idea that when we're praying and when we're believing, when we're at the altar, when we're sharing prayer requests uh, that we're all standing in line has anybody here ever been to the DMV <laughs> Jesus help us you said pastor you just quenched the spirit right there hey amen don't want to go there I've got to go there my my license expiring at the end of July so I've got to go they're making me show up amen I looked prayed hope for any way to do it online but I can't I got to show up Amen. I got to get a new picture and all the good stuff. Do an eye test. I hope I pass. Amen. Got to do all the things. And I'm already dreading it because you know why? You go into a place like that, and what do they tell you to do? You go up that little machine, and it says what on it? That's right. Take a number. Find a seat. And then I'm sitting there, and you know how it is. Those systems don't even know how to count right. You're number 50, and it'll say 62. And you're thinking, what in the world? What did I, what did I do? And it flips, flops around, and then it's 13, then it's 24. I mean, it, it sounds like common core math to me. I, whoever designed common core math, they, they developed that system at, at the DMV. And so you just, you know, you got this ticket, and you're standing there, and you don't know, do I get up, do I sit down, do I look? And don't you dare approach the desk. Don't you dare approach that desk because they'll look at you. What number did we call your number? We didn't call you. Well, but man, I'm 50. It said 62. Did I miss it? No. You know, we've got, we don't have rhyme or reason, but we, we, you know, we're architects of all this chaos. And so all I am there, Brother Tobin, is I'm just a number. I'm just a number. And we tend to think that sometimes I believe in our humanity that we're here lining up. And, well, because the pastor's the pastor, maybe his prayer request's going to be answered first. And then we'll work down the way. And then we'll, he'll work down the way. I'm going to tell you God does not have to look at one and say, well, this one I've got to do right now and this one I can't. I've got to wait till six months till I get some more power until I'm able to 
process. No, sir, no, ma'am. I want you to know he is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. And it doesn't matter what it is. You're not taking the number with him. He knows you, Marvin Rich. He knows you, Laura Desai. He knows Jacob Smith. And he's God enough and able says, I can meet the need. I can work while I'm working over here. I'm God enough to work over here. And while I'm working back there, I'm God enough to do it up here. He is God. In this, I want you to understand, and so with him, there is no sense of obscurity. But we look that in this, because we deal with obscurity, we deal with isolated places, we deal with out-of-the-way situations, because for some of us, what you're dealing with today is something new to you. You might say, I've never been here before. My family's never dealt with this before. These are things, and can I just tell you, don't, don't, don't become one of those never-evers. Can I just tell you that? Don't be one of those that say, well, that'll never happen in my family. Somebody had shared something the other day, because when you say that, God will never, ever, you in the never, ever way, it's never, ever been done before. <laughs> Amen. I promise you. Don't be so high and arrogant to say, well, we're above that. We live so righteous, my kids won't. My spouse won't. That won't hit our house. That won't hit our family. That's a lie from hell. I'm here to tell you, we're human. We're fragile. There's all kinds of things that are going on. And what happens is, is we are dealing with some things that are brand new, some things that haven't showed up, some things you've been through before. But what happens is, is when these situations arise, it tries to isolate us, Brother James. It tries to push us into obscurity. You've never dealt with anything like this before in your life. You've never had these symptoms before. You've never been in this situation before. And in the beginning, I've seen, I've watched this man tears fall in the nursing home, in the rehabilitation, back and forth, switching out. How many facilities did we go to, Brother James? I mean, in and out and up and down. So many. Ready for the cycle to end. And I promise you, this man felt like he was on the back parts of the wilderness. In a place where does God really see me? Does God really know? Cana of Galilee. It was not the epicenter of Jerusalem. It did not have popularity and prestige. It was just a back little country town. Cana of Galilee. And I want to tell you that God used the obscure of a little bitty town with a little bitty population and people that aren't even named in the scripture and he would use it as the epicenter of where his miracles would begin what does that give me hope for I want to let somebody know when hell pushes you in a corner and tells you God forgot your kids your family your marriage your hurting heart you need to let hell know I am not obscure to my heavenly father. I am not just a number. But my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And he knows me and he knows where I am. Amen. Amen. The enemy loves to use obscurity to his advantage. And God will use obscurity as a material for a miracle. 
We see it time and time again, Brother Hemphill, in Scripture. God abusing obscure men and women in obscure places, places off the beaten path. People that, people that nobody ever gave a second thought to. And God would begin to work and God would begin to speak. It could be in a cave to Elijah. It could be the burning bush to Moses in the back parts of the wilderness. It could be to David out in the pasture while he's worshiping the Lord in his own household. Don't even want him in the house. Don't even, I mean, how does it feel to be forgotten by your daddy? When the prophet shows up and says, are all your boys here? Are all these, all, all your sons here? Because none of these are the next king. God told the prophet, this ain't him. And so he said, do you have any more sons? Isn't it terrible? Your own father. Don't even recognize you. Oh yeah, by the way, I've got my son out there in the pasture. You know what he was saying, Brother Michael? Yeah, that boy's out there, but surely you don't want him. Obscure places. Sister Kara, places of obscurity where you're sitting and waiting. When you're wondering what God's going to do. When you wonder when it's going to happen. When you wonder what's going to transpire. It might be obscure to you. You may not know it or understand it. But you've got to know God sees right where it's at. And he will develop you in obscurity. He will move in obscurity. He moves in the isolated places of your life hear me he moves in the isolated places a wedding some folks you can't pay him to show up at a wedding bless his heart I, I sat at a wedding one time and the preacher the whole time he performed the wedding he kept calling it a funeral I thought Lord men you keep looking right over here. Don't, but Tommy, you already got the gold medal. You just you want another forty-five years. You just keep. He did the whole time. We're so glad you're at this funeral, Lord. Would you bless this funeral, Lord? I mean, everything was. I said, Oh man, this guy's not getting hired ever again. Amen. You could see the bride's neck turning red. I mean, the whole time, and she was not a blushing bride for the. For the right reasons, it was all the wrong reason, amen. But at a wedding, the Bible says that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was already there. This implicates the fact that this is stopping grounds. It's like home. It is believed that this was the wedding of either family or friends. Jesus has been out. He's been called. Come on to the wedding. Bring those disciples with you. You guys come. There he was. What you have to understand is that in the culture, the Jewish culture, especially during this time, weddings were not like how we do weddings now, to where there is a day. But you have to understand that these weddings oftentimes was a week-long celebration. There was events, and there was gifts, and there was different things that were done, and food, and uh, all kinds of feasting, all of these things. The governor of the feast, the Word of God tells us, if you will, the one who orchestrated, who, who was appointed by the bridegroom to say, would you oversee this? Would you make sure everything is where it needs to be? Because to put on such a celebration, you have to understand that, it, that it, it, this takes coordination. This takes planning. This takes getting all the right things together, all the people together, all of those things. And so everything's got to be right because 
He don't want to embarrass the bridegroom. You don't want to start off the beginning of this new life with embarrassment to walk through town and they're the family that they didn't have enough to make it through the celebration. That they were the family, they didn't have their ducks in a row. Oh, they must already be starting off with problems. Drama, 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 drama. Oh my, have you ever had, have you ever been somewhere? Have you ever sat around people at a wedding? They had the couple divorced before they ever said, I do. Because we're people and people gossip and people talk and people want to pick apart all the things that are wrong. And the last thing that wanted to happen is you don't want to embarrass. And so all these things are going on. I want you to understand is that as these things are transpiring, here Jesus, in this obscure place, we don't know the name. It's assumed to be family and friends because of the invitation that were there. The place, Cana of Galilee, like I said, away from the epicenter of Jerusalem. Not a place of popularity. The people were nameless. We find that there's not 5,000 to feed. We find that there is no dead men to raise. He's not calling out Lazarus' name. There is no water to walk on. There is none of these things as to where it could be a big to-do. But what it does show is that there was a Savior that in the midst of obscurity, with an obscure place and with nameless people, he was willing to do the miraculous. And so... So here's why I say again, when we are thinking that maybe our situation isn't big enough, maybe our situation isn't extreme enough, and does God really care? This particular passage reminds us of the fact that if Christ has compassion to provide refreshment at a wedding, how much more would he care for the things that concern you and your situation? You see, with this obscurity and with the given situation, we come to find this was just material for a miracle. Christ, apparently, he hoped to stay obscure for a little bit longer because the Word of God says that when his mother approaches him and shares what the need is, and we'll get to that in just a moment, we come to find as to where we, we, we look at this and see, when we, when we see this, I want you to understand is that Christ, he himself was trying to remain in a place of obscurity. We find that Jesus, and it sounds like a harsh uh, 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 rebuke, but this was not him being harsh. This was him stating the fact. He said, I, he said these things. He said, what does it have to do with me? What, is, what do we have to do with this situation? What's going on? He says, my hour has not yet come. In other words, he says, I want you to know, it's that Jesus knew just as soon as a miracle began and as soon as people saw, it would begin, Brother Eddie, the process, the hour, the hands on the clock would move that would lead him, Brother Michael, to Calvary. It would lead him to the place. All these things were set in motion. But we find in this... That as, a, as at the sense of the moment, at the situation, that, I, that I've read a lot of commentary. I have read a lot of things that give their ideas and opinions of why Jesus would go ahead and submit himself to the fact that he would start his miracle here. And can I tell you this, as I believe in the fact, is that mama in this situation, this is just Brother Jacob's thought, I believe maybe even mama had a nudge by 
by the Lord, by God Himself, and 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 was and in the in the process to say, I know that if it can be done, you can do it. Now's the time, and now's the moment. He looks, and there's compassion that he has. And the obstacle was, she said, they have no wine. We find in Scripture is that the materials for the miraculous are often in our nothingness. Hear what I'm saying. Some of the greatest materials for the miraculous is when you have absolutely nothing. As a matter of fact, I choose to believe that there's a point and place in all of our lives that we are trying our best to resource it, think it, educate it, will it, make it happen. You know that you do, and I know that I do. We'll try all of our things. But, Brother Udy, there comes a point where we throw up our hands and say, I don't got nothing left. I don't know what else to do. I don't know how else to fix it. It was a simple statement. Mary said, they have no wine. You find in the Word of God that there was a widow woman. She had no meal left. We find another woman. She had no oil left. We find another that... the daughter had no life left we find over and over again family standing at the precipice of nothing standing at the precipice they have an obstacle there's nothingness there absolutely nothing is available and Mary knowing the heart of God her son she said here's what I will tell you she said whatever he says to do that's what you need to do don't you question don't you ask a reason why you just obey him I want to tell somebody this morning in this house you are exhausted down to nothing down no more strategy no more wit no more wisdom and no more will and I believe God smiles and says I finally got you right where I want you because now I can work in this obstacle I'll show you that I create something from nothing. I'll show you. I'll show you that I can take a whole lot of nothingness. In the beginning, the earth was out form. It was void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Sister Sylvia, the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the waters just a big old ball of dark nothingness of just molecules of water according to Moses who was believed to be the writer of the book of Genesis and we find that in the midst of this it says and God said you missed a good place to shout and God said what do you mean there's nothing there? What do you mean there's no wine? What do you mean there's no strength? What do you mean, Brother Jacob, there's no money? What do you mean, Brother Jacob, there's no relationship with the child, with the parent? It's, it's on edge with the spouse. What do you mean, Brother Jacob, the doctor said there's no cure? What do you mean there's no more opportunity? What do you mean there's no more open doors? What do you mean there's no more proof? What do you mean there's no more this? I'm here to tell you this morning, he's a God that specializes in no more. 
He's a God that specializes in the obstacle that's before you. And he can take that material and make it miraculous. Changing the molecular structure of the water. She says, all I need you to do is to obey. Brother Jacob, are you telling me that it's that simple? Are you telling me that it's that easy? I never said obedience was easy. I never said obedience was simple. The act, the thing, Sister Trakina, that he wants you to obey in, it might seem relatively small to everybody else, but it's a big deal to you. It might seem like a little finite thing to others, but it's infinite and huge in your eyes. But here's what I will show you is that for the making of the miraculous, the materials that are needed, as you come to find, there has to be somebody willing to obey. Can I tell you, can I testify to you how many times God has asked me to give out of an empty place? I've often said, and I believe this, I stand on this. You can argue with me, you can roll your eyes. I'll tell you this, you have never given until it's hurt you a little bit. If you have given from always a place of abundance and ease, you haven't really given. You haven't. But when you write out the check or when you provide the meal or when you show up and give it your time and it hurts and it costs you something, that's, Brother Casey, when we have given something. Obedience. Obedience to God will cause you to go and make reconciliation with somebody that you think doesn't deserve it. But it's the only way that bitterness of your soul is going to heal. It's the only way that forgiveness is going to transpire. It's the only way that it's going to be made right. But Brother Jacob, my argument is, I didn't do it. God didn't ask for which side. He just said, do it. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe he's not even asking for a phone call, a visit, or a text message. But Brother Chris, sometimes it's just a decision. I will forgive. All of us, we can find all kinds of reasons. The people you're sitting around that right now you don't have any problem with. You, you, could, you could spend the next 15 minutes and you think long and hard enough, you could pick somebody apart. You could find a reason to get offended. You could dig back in your mind long enough to the time they looked at you funny, talked to you weird, or didn't talk to you at all. You can go back in your family history and maybe you've had cycles of abuse. Maybe you had a mom and daddy didn't love you right. Maybe you've been in some bad situations. I'm not dismissing or diminishing any of it, but I'm going to tell you this, that sometimes obedience to him will put you in some places that are uncomfortable. But you know what it is? Brother Bobby, it's material for the miraculous. She said, whatever he says to do, do it. Just obey him. When they brought in the pots of stone, filled it to the brim of water, listen to the words of Jesus. He said, draw now. Do it right now. Serve it now. 
obey now. Can I tell somebody in this house, Brother Danny, Sister Carolyn, if you'd come. Can I tell somebody in this house right now is that you have been trying to plan it, prepare it. You're saying a week from now, six months from now, a year from now, I'll be ready. I'll get my head on straight. I'll have all my ducks in a row. I'm just going to tell you the God's honest truth. You will never get there. You won't. You know why? Because if God says to do it now, He wants your obedience now. And if you try to plan and circumvent Him, He will make sure that all of your efforts fall through the cracks. He will. You'll never reach that point. You'll never get there. You'll never follow through on it. Oh, you're planning. I'm going to. I told you our favorite southern word. I'm fixing to. You're fixing to do nothing. Doing a lot of talking is what we're doing. Materials for the miraculous happen in obscurity. They happen when there are obstacles. And they definitely happen when there's obedience. She said, this is all I need you to do. He brought him in. They filled it to the brim. The Bible does not share where there was any rebuttal. What these water pots over here? This is used for ceremonial washing for the Jews. We're, we can't use that. We can't do that. We, we're not reading anywhere where they argued. They took the words of Mary, set them up there, and they filled it to the brim. There's a million different ways you could preach this particular text. But this morning, I, I believe God wants somebody to know it's time for you to obey. Quit asking questions, quit reasoning, and fill it up. Fill it up. And when he says, draw it out, do it. He said, draw now. And the rest of the story tells us, the governor of the feast, he said, what in the world? He said, this is the best that I've ever drank. He said, I've never had anything like it. He said, most people provide the best at the beginning people drink and they get their bellies full he said then they bring in the cheap stuff then they added all the water and watered it down and all that kind he said but you save the best for last I want to tell somebody is that we serve a God that he operates from such a place of abundance he's not going to run out of power in the beginning but he's able to save it all the way to the end and see you through all the way to the end of the matter with our heads bowed this morning our eyes closed I want today somebody's testimony to be he saved the best for me he did the best in my situation I didn't see how it could happen I didn't know how it would work I didn't know how it was going to come together I've been in some obscure places brother Jacob I felt like that I'm not even on his list I'm not even on his radar I felt like at times that my kids, my family, my parents, my marriage, my job, my calling, that these things have been pushed so far back as God even concerned. But God specializes in obscurity. It's material for the miraculous. But Brother Jacob, I've got obstacles ahead of me. I've, got, I've run out of this. I have no this, no that, no time, no effort, no strength. There's no wine. 
What do we do with nothing? We're just left to obey Him. Whatever He says to do, do it. Holy Ghost, search our hearts this morning. I believe there are those on the precipice of the miraculous, but they have to be willing. They have to be willing to obey you. Maybe some that have been wasting a lot of time trying to get everything in order. Some they've been kicking against the pricks of the Holy Ghost, the dealing of the Spirit, knowing what should be done but not yet doing it, knowing what should be laid aside and not yet doing it, knowing what should be surrendered and not yet doing it. I pray, God, get a hold of hearts today. Draw by your Spirit. Lord, that the testimony can be, He saved the best for me. He worked on my behalf. He heard my cry. He moved when I had nothing. And I realize now that all of these were materials for the miraculous. I don't know where you're hurting, and I don't know specifically what's going on, but I know you are, and I know you're here. And I know the Spirit of the Lord is drawing and dealing here right now in this very moment. And I'm simply going to ask, because there are so many in this house, you may not admit it, you may leave here and go to lunch today and still have that, that nagging feeling in your heart, that thing setting in the pit of your stomach, but you don't have to. You can surrender today. You can ask the Holy Ghost to search your heart today. You could confess that thing today. You could leave it today right here at this altar and see Him work on your behalf. But you have to be willing. You see, right now, you can amen me about obedience, but right now you're going to have to obey the Spirit of the Lord. You're going to have to obey Him dealing with your heart. And I'm not going to push, pull, prod any further. I'm just going to ask, if you're here, you'd say, Pastor, all the materials for the miraculous are right here in my situation, in my life, in my struggles, in my pain, in my tears, and I'm going to believe God to do a work. If that's us, why don't we come? Come on, right from where you are. Let's come and find a place in these altars. Can we find a place to spend some time with Him? Before we get to the festivities of the day, I believe somebody here, there's something miraculous that needs to transpire. Somebody here needs something that goes on in their mind and their emotion. Somebody here needs something to happen in their family. Somebody here needs some mending in their heart. Somebody here needs forgiveness to pierce through the callousness of their soul, bitterness, struggle. Oh, maybe there's strife. Maybe there's a situation brand new to you. What's going on right now? A phone call, a situation that's completely overturned you. Oh, but Lord, here I am. I feel like I've been in obscurity. Lord, I've been down to nothing. I've got an obstacle ahead of me. I don't know quite what to do when I don't have nothing. Oh, but Lord, 